Welcome back to the Intuitive Mindset Podcast with Jeannie Lynch, and this is episode 22. So here's a bold statement that I'm going to make today. And by the way, everybody does this. Have you had those times in your life where it truly does feel like you're hitting a brick wall? Well, what would you do if I told you that nine times out of 10, you're not hitting the brick wall, you actually are the wall. And what does that mean? It means sometimes we're the ones who get in our own way. We're the ones who, you know, screw it up for ourselves. So today we're going to be diving into that work and looking at self-sabotaging and we'll be connecting that work through the Enneagrams. Enneagrams is a personality type. Have you ever explored your own Enneagram? Well, stay listening. We'll be breaking down the nine Enneagrams, those sabotaging behaviors to each one of the Enneagram numbers, along with giving you the antidotes. So stay listening. That fun podcast and those antidotes are coming up next. Jackie Coban is my guest today, and she's an Enneagram coach. Can't wait to share. It's all coming up. Stay listening. Hey, Jeannie Lynch coming back to you today. Welcome back to my channel. Really happy you're here and happy to continue the beautiful work of spiritual modalities for a spiritual life, that beautiful playlist. A couple years ago, I promised you I was going to find really cool modalities from around the globe and find fascinating teachers who could bring that information to you in a beautiful and new way. Well, Jackie Coban is my next guest and she is absolutely that person. We're going to be talking today about the Enneagrams. Now, stay listening. I know I featured the Enneagrams a couple years ago on my channel if you want to check out my cards. But today, we're diving into the personality types, but specifically, we're looking at our beautiful numbers in their Enneagrams and how we tend to sabotage ourselves. And on top of that, we're going to be giving you the antidotes to those sabotaging behaviors. I'm so excited to share this work with you today. Jackie is a triple certified NLP Enneagram life coach and she has such dynamic energy. She's also very intuitive and she brings it in such a crisp and beautiful way. I can't wait to share her with you today. So stay listening and stay watching. That fun interview is coming up next on my channel. So Jackie, welcome, welcome. Say your last name so I pronounce it right. Coban. Okay. So I'm so excited to, I, I feel like I already know you because I've been <laughs> immersed in your content on podcast and you're going to talk about how we can connect with you also. Let me just set this up for my group, for my audience what's going on today. So whether people are listening to this on the Intuitive Mindset podcast or your table table for nine, did I say it right? Yes. <laughs> okay. Um, podcast or listening or watching this on HD Color on our YouTube channel, we just acknowledge the audience first and say thank you for your time today. And we're really excited. This is um, Jackie's first time on video. So we get to mm -hmm. bring some of her content to HD Color. And I'm really excited to be able to do that today. Today's topic, I'm going to go back in my playlist on my channel. And we're going to reopen the door to Enneagrams, which I just have to like for those people, because you're going to get into what an yeah. Enneagram is today, but I just have to say how much I love this 
personality type. That's a good one. I'm into all of them, but this one really hit home. It's made a better relationship. It's made a better person in me. I love working with it as a coaching tool myself. So you're going to explain how to do that. But today we're going to niche down and we're going to talk about the Enneagrams and the whole idea of the personality types, but the saboteur. Though, you know, and you're going to explain this in great detail. So I get to be quiet in a minute. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself first so my audience knows a little bit about you before we get into this work? Absolutely. And thank you so much for having me. This is going to be so fun. I can feel it. Um, well, my name is Jackie. I am from the New, New Jersey, New York City area. I am an Enneagram and life coach. And essentially, what I like to do is I, I love life coaching, but I kind of decided early on that people needed more language to describe themselves. And so I help people give, you know, develop the language behind who, what, and why they are so that they can live a more sustainable life. And so I love doing that through the Enneagram specifically. And so it's just been such a great practice in my coaching. And I, what I love about the language that you're talking about too, I did see that you're also an NLP practitioner. Yes, yes. Which totally lines up with giving language. And I mm -hmm. say in my own spiritual intuitive practice, um, I say, I'm not going to tell you anything you don't know about yourself today, but what I am going to do is give you language. So yes. it sounds like we're doing the same work. So yeah. really cool. Yeah. So um, tell us a little bit about your podcast and I love the name of it. So tell us that first so people can find you so they know where to go. Yeah. So it is the Table for Nine podcast and it is on iTunes, it's on Spotify and on Anchor. Essentially what I wanted, and that's the name of my, my coaching practice as well, Table for Nine Coaching, is it's really just, I, I kind of was like, wow, if we know ourselves well and we know everybody else well, there's no reason we can't have all nine types around our table and still flourish and thrive. And so when I started a podcast, I was like, well, I, I'm, I'm Middle Eastern Mediterranean. And if, if you know anything about that culture is that food and tables bring people together in a way that nothing else does. And I was like, well, I want this table to be a safe place where we can talk about hard things and I can speak to people I wouldn't normally work with. And I was like, okay, podcast. <laughs> so that's kind of where it came from. I love it. And the, the whole name too, because I know the Enneagrams and the nine different personality types and all the more important for where we are in the world right now. We keep mm -hmm. kind of, I mean, we're not going to go any dark on anybody. This is going to be an uplifting, yes. uplifting time. But we also are not able to really get around outside on the table but yeah. family is the really only one we've been able to be with so now more than ever it's important to recognize the difference in each of us right it's so true i love that okay so let's get into the fun part um this is going to be on a couple different playlists on my channel i'm going to pop okay. you into the intuitive one and the modality ones because we're going to learn a little bit more about the enneagrams so to do that how did you get involved with the Enneagrams too? Just so my audience knows that. Did you, someone do a test on you or were you, how were you introduced? Yeah. So it's, it's actually a funny story. I was working at a nonprofit. I, you know, the language I'll use is I was doing like six or seven roles for the price of one. So I, what I realized is I didn't have the language to describe myself, what I liked, what I didn't like, my boundaries to say, Hey, I'm actually not good at this. I can't be a warm body anymore. And I burnt out severely. I moved out of the state and a friend of mine was like posting about the Enneagram. So I took a test online myself and I typed as an eight and I was like, that doesn't sound right. 
Then I typed it, took, took it again, typed it as a six. I was like, okay, I'm done with this. And then um, after that, I just was like, I'm just going to, I'm going to read a book. And when I read the book for the first time, um, I it was The Wisdom of the Enneagram. I almost fainted in my place when I read the type two, which we'll get into, but I felt like someone like unzipped a body bag on me and I was like, dang it. And it was so accurate. So it really was just, it was just like through a fun series of events. Um, but it changed everything for me. I love that. I love that. So I'm a three. Okay. So you know who you're talking to and yes. our audience is going to know what a two and a three is when we finish. So that's a good segue. Let's dive into today. You're going to tell us a little bit about each Enneagram and then you're going to tell us the whole connection to this, the, the sabotage and, and that piece of it. So we can really open this up for my audience. So let's, let's dive into that work today. Absolutely. Yeah. So I love going through the nine types. I'm going to try and do it as fast as I can and as efficient as I can. Um, so essentially the, it's numbered one through nine and each type has a nickname. So for the type one, it is the perfectionist or the reformer. I prefer reformer, but this type, you know, is very organized, if not on their desk, then in their head. They like things just so, and they like to see things in black and white. Really, for them, they have a fear of being bad, of being wrong, and and they really fear that if the things around them are not perfect, they're not perfect. The type two, the helper. Can we stop on the one for a second? Yeah. I think ones, the ones that I've worked with, when, when they get one, they're like, it's their type to not even like their, their, their one, right? Like I could be... Right. You know, so the ones that I've worked with seem to have a, what's the word? It's like, they don't want to be labeled that because the word perfectionist, right? Right. Wasn't for the ones out there, nothing would get done in the world. So so true. And that label of perfectionist, I think puts pressure on them to actually be perfect. So it's like in their head, they're striving to be perfect, but they won't call it perfect because that's too much pressure in a sense. Got it. So it's, I like it's, the fact that you like calling it the uh, reformer. Yeah, because I, I, love, I love to see that my friends want to not um, perfect everything that they do or that I do, but they really like to add on to it in a beneficial way. I like the reforming part of it. Yeah. I want to add too, I know we're going to get into this, but it's just such a, a good time to say that this personality type or the types and the anagrams can be used in so many different ways. Mm-hmm. I've been trying to get my man's canine search and rescue team to let me come in and break them down. I used to use it in my banking career with mm-hmm. the different people that worked in our team so we could work better together. So back to your point about the table of nine. I love that. Okay, let's keep going. Sorry about that little sidetrack. No, that's okay. I love I love sidetracking. Um, so the Enneagram type two, which is my type, is called the helper or the advocate or I like ninja. People say ninja. Um, <laughs> I feel like that's accurate. Well, the type two, they really are the helpers. They are the people who won't leave your party if there are dishes in the sink or they'll at least keep you company while you do them. Um, they really are indiscriminate caregivers, but for them, they really feel like they cannot place themselves in a, in a place that really has to have needs because if they're not needed by others, they're not loved. And if they have their own needs, they can't really be serving other people. And so their fear is ultimately being unworthy of love. Got it. The type three, which is one of the best, um, is called the achiever. Um, I also call them the best. I like to nickname them the best. But really, 
for them. They are hard workers. They are, you know, usually in companies, they're the CEOs. They're the people who are always moving up really quickly, moving sideways. It's, it's incredible. Um, but for them, they're, the, a core belief of theirs is sometimes that their achievements really are what amounts to their worth. And there's, a, there's almost this deep fear of, and we'll get to the self-sabotage, of course, but this deep fear of, I didn't really earn anything that I have, but it's by what I earn that's my value. So it's like that inner tension. I will tell you, funny, funny thought is that uh, whenever I have a coaching client who's a three, they're like, I'm going to be your best client. I'm like, all right, we're going to start over now. Oh, too funny. I'm like, we're starting over from the beginning. (laughs) The Enneagram type four is called the individualist or the romantic. Um, I love fours. They don't have feelings or do feelings. They are feelings. They, and that's a superpower of theirs. They're not, um, you know, crazy intolerable. None of that. They're just emotional and deep feeling people. And for them, they have this fundamental need to be unique and to be different. And for them, that is deep-seated in the belief that if they're not set apart, if they're not memorable, they'll be forgotten. They'll fade into the abyss, so to say. They won't leave their mark on the world. And they really won't be worth remembering or worth being loved. And so for them, they really want to stand out and be as unique as possible. For the Enneagram Type 5, which is the observer or the, um, I like to say the theorist. I think that's the most accurate term out there. Of all the Enneagram names that are ascribed to a number, I think theorist is so accurate for the five. Um, For them, they are all about knowledge. Knowledge takes less energy than feelings. And they love to conserve their energy. And for them, a huge fear of theirs is being depleted of energy and also being seen as incompetent. So for them, knowledge is where it's at. And they love to preserve that and be experts on the subject. Not to jump to a nine, but I've always thought a nine was the most conservative with energy. Is a five more conservative with their energy than a nine is? They are. And you can find a nine that is just as conservative with their energy, but for very different motivations, right? And we'll we'll get to the nine, but for the nine, their motivation would be you know, well, this is too much expendable energy and it could cause conflict internally or conflict externally. Good point. Okay. Got it. Yeah. Love it. Okay. This is great. <laughs> so the Enneagram type six is called the loyalist or the guardian. I love guardian. I think that exemplifies them. They're guardian for the people that they love. They're guardians for the rules. For them, uh, people, you, you'll see memes and stuff on the internet. They're like scaredy cats. They're scared. No, they're just the kind of people that I like to say it gently, like they live in code yellow all the time. Got it. Like if something could go wrong, it could go wrong. And so I'm going to think through every possibility so that it doesn't. And so sometimes we might think that they're negative. They're not. They're actually protecting you, me, and everyone around them. And for them, their fear is just that. It's just that they could be unprepared or without support at any point in time. Are they the most, you know, thinking triad, doing triad, feeling triad? Obviously, they're in their head. Is this the one that is the most in their head? Actually, no. And uh, I will tell you why. So there's this thing called anchor points. Okay. Um, So two, three, and four are in the heart. Um, Five, six, and seven are in the head. And eight, nine, and one are in the body. However, if you look at three, six, and nine with their wings – they don't have a wing outside their center. So three, your, your number, your wing is two in the heart center or four in the heart center. Yeah. Six, it's 
uh, five in the head center or seven in the head center. So because three, six, and nine are so deeply rooted in their type, they actually repress that type the most. That's so important to know. Could you explain, because mm-hmm. I know what a wing is, but just so people yeah. know what a wing is, because that's a new word. Um, I know it's on either side of the numbers. Yes. There's different ways, but explain that in Enneagram terms for us. Yeah, absolutely. So a wing is, is if you think of a bird, it's literally the numbers to the left and to the right. And so it's on a, the Enneagram is like a circle. It's like a clock. The nine's at the top, the six is at the bottom, and then the other numbers fill in on the sides. And if you look at your number, like for example, I'm a two, my wings are the numbers on either side. Not not my runner-ups on my scores, left or right. So I'm a two with a one wing or a three wing. And what the wing does is you don't become that number your core motivations stay the same within your number. However, you might borrow some attributes. So I have a very strong one wing, which is that reformer. So I'm the kind of person that my motivation as a two is to help people. But sometimes I'm a little just so when I'm helping people. Still motivated by helping, but I have my moments. And then you catch me in a work mode and I'm like CEO mode. That's my three wing and I'm going, going, going. So I didn't change, but I took on attributes. That's a great way of explaining it. Thank you. And I have seen where people say the wing is something else. So I like the fact that you're giving clarity to its Mm -hmm. numbers on either side and you might vacillate one to the other. So I like that. Thank you for that explanation. Okay, we're moving on. Yeah. So that's uh, with the anchor points, um, the numbers that are in the middle, they, they tend to repress the center the most. So you might find as a three, even though you're in the heart center, you might repress your emotions more than tap into them. Got it because they're right at the forefront. So it's very interesting. But yeah, so the, the type six is really amazing and they're always looking out for you. Type seven is called the enthusiast or the party. I like to say that they're the Peter Pans of the Enneagram. They are so fun. They're always down for a last minute adventure. They're always like, you want to go on the, a cruise to the Caribbean tomorrow? They're coming with you. They're so fun and exciting and full of joy. They are a joy to be around. But for them, there's a catch. And if they, they believe that if they go from one fun experience to the next, one great enthusiastic project to the next, one vacation to the next, they can escape their pain. And for them, their fear is being trapped in deep emotional pain. Not like, oh, I'm not going to run a mile. I might fall and scrape my knee kind of pain. But if I open up this can of pain or this memory, it's so deep. They, they feel so deeply that they're like, I don't think I'll ever get out of it. I'd rather just go from one thing to the next. So, you know, I have a lot of friends who are sevens and I love them dearly, but they're thinking about their next vacation before they get off the last vacation. So it's, well, what's next? What's really going to keep me busy? So the Enneagram type eight is called the challenger or the contrarian. Um, I think they are the most misunderstood of all the types. Interesting. Yeah, they because they're really... They're blunt. They're black and white. They are, I think a lot of people who tend to be a little bit more empathetic would say they're aggressive, but they're just a forward black and white people. They really are. And for them, their fear is being rejected or being blindsided or at the mercy of injustice. And so for them, even though they're really, really tough, they will always look out for the, for the little guy. I have a lot of twos and eights get along really well. So I have a lot of friends who are type eights and it's almost like they become bigger when they see someone attacking me or making fun of me and they are really looking out. So a lot of people think that mother Teresa would be a type two, a helper, but most people who work closely, a lot of Enneagram teachers have actually worked closely with her and they say she's a, a type eight because oh, she's tough as nails, 
but she's looking out for the little guy. She's looking out for the underdog. Got it. Got it. Oh, that's perfect. And last one, the Enneagram type nine is the peacemaker or the wallflower. And they are just the sweethearts. They get along with everybody all the time. <laughs> They're really, they really are sweet and they blend really well with people. So you won't always know that a nine is in the room, but you'll always like them. And they are, like their name says, the peacemakers. For them, though, it comes at a cost. So they, their fear is conflict, especially direct conflict. Like tension in a room is really unbearable, but it's fine. It's really that direct conflict. And so for them, they'll blend or merge with everybody else. Like, what do you want for dinner? I want Chinese. That's fine with me. What do you want to go for dinner? Whatever you want. Like, um, what do you think about this opinion on a project? I think this person's fine. Like, it, they just go with it so as not to cause conflict. And for them, th that fear is conflict, but also there comes a fear of, I don't feel like the people around me really ever know me because they're just always agreeing with other people. I have to tell you, my Michael, my man is a mm -hmm. nine and he is just what you just said. And I always call him the great negotiator, but <laughs> it's, it's, he's a good negotiator when everyone's calm and they're open to hearing it. But yeah. put that same scenario between two people who were arguing and I've just thrown him in the fire. Oh so. yeah. They're, they're incredible referees, but if he's the one that needs a refereeing, you, you'll probably watch him shrink back a little bit. I mean, like you said before, fives and nines are really similar. My partner, my boyfriend's a, a five. And so I'll tend to like really approach it gently so that it's a discussion and not a conflict because it for him, it takes his energy. And for the nine, it's breaking the peace. And that's really hard for them. Got it. It's so good. Okay. <laughs> so you've gone through and you've just explained each one of them. Now we're going to dive a little bit deeper into the whole idea of the saboteur. When people are listening to this, Jackie, is it a good idea? Should I kind of put a little note in front of this when, when I do this, stop and take the test and know who you are so that when they're listening to this, it's a little bit more relevant or, and tell us, where do we go to get this test so we can uncover, uncover who we are so we can attach it to the people maybe yeah. even around us? Yeah. So I am, I do think it's important to know who you are. A lot of people can type by just by listening and they're like, oh crap, she read my mail, you know, but, um, I don't, I'm not a fan of a lot of the online tests. And like I, like I said to you before I typed as an eight, I typed as a six. And here's the thing. If I'm feeling a lot more stressed out today, I might type as a different number Then you know, a test doesn't really get your motivations. I do love the ready test. It's R H E T I. It's a, it's a paid link. test. Okay. Yeah, I'll send it to you. Okay, good. Um, it's a paid test, but it is very accurate. Um, other than that, I will tell you, get in a good book, picking up a good book and just reading through it, you'll know your type almost immediately. Well, let's do this. I, when I do these beautiful interviews and people can see, I usually put books up and let them yeah. see. So you'll send me the names of these and I'll flash a beautiful slide that shows the ones that you recommend so yes. people can really dive deeper so because you you know right so yeah. let's let's go right to the expert and get the right advice okay let's yeah. do it okay <laughs> so first off explain how you ended up doing a whole podcast on the saboteur i mean obviously mm -hmm. this is tell me your motivation for wanting people to know this information before we dive in and break it down absolutely so Here's the thing. I, I use the Enneagram in my coaching because I don't think it's a one size fits all thing. I think if if you want to run three miles and your partner wants to run three miles, you have two different things stopping you. So one thing I noticed across the board, even with the Enneagram was 
the the need and the the drive to have to tell the client in front of me you're not hitting a wall you are the wall and that was really hard it's hard to tell people they're self-sabotaging but it was even harder to realize everyone does it it's not particular to a specific type everybody does it when they're afraid and i noticed the different enneagram types all you know like all the nines kind of leaning in the same direction of self-sabotage and all the twos doing the same and so i did this podcast episode where i was like hey this is consider it like a rumble strip right you don't always know when you're veering off but it's like and then you're like oh okay gotta gotta veer back a little and so that self-sabotage can ruin relationships careers it thwarts your own dreams in front of you and i think it's really important to know that as your enneagram type and from an energy healer, I call those energy blocks. Mm-hmm. And I see them the same way you're saying, right? That, that people, sometimes I always say, they're the, some, this is my great explanation to what you're saying. I say, if you take you, and this is who you are, you're beautiful, right? And I shine a whole bunch of light on who you are. There's major light focused on that. It creates a shadow in the back. Mm-hmm. depending on how much light is in front. And it's that shadow that can cause the contrast. So yeah. you show me anyone's asset and I'll show you a liability standing right behind them. So when oh, yeah. you're out of power, and I know you know that in your coaching business. So that's what we're looking at today, people, when you hear us talk about what we're going to about to get into, let's do it. We're going to go through each one of the Enneagrams mm-hmm. and the saboteur in each one of us. Let's Absolutely. start with the one, right? Let's do it. So like we were talking about, sometimes the type one has a bent towards perfectionism. And for them, that's self-sabotage. Not not only because you never end up reaching a goal when you're waiting for it to be perfect, but also because the type ones who are really diligent, they just end up quitting. And it's, it's interesting because they'll give you a really, really great reason. I have a friend of mine who's a type one who switched a million careers, switched a million majors and had this polished explanation. And we all believe her. We were like, yeah, you're so right. This is a better idea. And come to realize she, she was self-sabotaging because she didn't think she could actually complete this thing perfectly. So she just moved on to the next thing that she could possibly complete. So, so fascinating. I thought it was just because they moved the goal out. You know what I mean? So they're never yeah. achieving it because it just, it can be that too. Right. So fascinating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For the type two, the, the helper, the lover of people, it's first of all, neglect, but then also infatuation. So on two different ends, they neglect themselves, which is a form of self-tabotage in and of itself. You don't take care of yourself. You can't do, you really can't do anything. And you'll see that with the very, um, with a type two who's, a, who's got a low level of function, they have knots in their hair. They haven't brushed their teeth. Like there's a really big neglect. How, and sometimes it's in small ways if you're more healthy. What that neglect leads into is an infatuation of the other person, a fixation on the person that they have their eye on. So let's say it's their partner. Let's say it's their boss. Let's say it's a, um, a person of influence they recently connected with. They will fixate on that person to meet their needs. It'll become almost obsession-like. Is They'll this notice. what they're called, the people pleaser? Because yeah. they're trying to take care of someone else? Yes. Okay. Fascinating. Yes. And so it'll sabotage their relationships because because they've neglected themselves, they have to be fixated on something and it's always another person. I love that. So can I put you on the spot? What what do you yeah. we have to go back a number? What is the antidote for a one and what is the antidote for a two? So you were talking about the perfectionism and here you are coaching people through this yeah. to not make the goal. What would you say? Do you mind if I add that in as we go through yeah. these so that people yeah. can go, oh, and the way to fix that is 
what would you, and I know you'd go into much more detail if you were working with somebody, but off the cuff, back to a one for a second, what would be the antidote for their sabotaging themselves? The, um, I would say the antidote for that is to ask themselves what their measuring stick is. Like what, if you're saying, oh, it has to be perfect, what are you comparing it to exactly? Because if you put a name to it, fine, that doesn't become perfectionism anymore. That's a goal, right? If I, I want my house to look like Susie's house, okay, that's not perfectionism. That's just a goal. Okay. But if you're like, it just, it's just got to be perfect, you're never going to get there. And so for them, it's, it's really just putting an actual tangible, it's like, you know, a smart goal behind everything they do. Yeah. Oh, I love the measuring stick idea. That's perfect. Okay, go to the two then. The antidote yeah. for a two who, who is worried not about themselves but everybody else. What's their antidote? Self-love? Practicing their self-care muscles. It's a muscle that atrophies. It's so easy. Like things like showering for some. And for some type twos, it's saying no or taking a day off. I So for the most part, this... Um, this summer, I've taken a lot of Fridays off, which is very, very hard for me because I don't like to say no to people when they want to schedule something on a Friday. And I've gone to the beach. And for me, that has made me less fixated and obsessed with people so I can actually love them properly, so I can actually help them properly. Well, I tell you, I, I happened to notice how busy you were on our podcast group. I was like, <laughs> how is she getting all this done? <laughs> You were going to yeah, today, but thank you for being a two and taking care of yourself. Okay. I love that. Let's keep going. Number three, saboteur and then the antidote. Absolutely. So the self-sabotage of the type three is actually imposter syndrome, Say that which again? is imposter syndrome. Okay. So that is really, first and foremost, it's being so afraid that someone at some point is going to find you out as a fake, a fraud, or a phony. But it's also this deep-rooted belief that you didn't actually earn where you are and you could fall like that. Got it. And the thing with the type three is – and I think everybody struggles with this. And you can struggle. Like this is not um, married to each Enneagram type. You can struggle with all of these or none of these. But with the type three, with, with living a life that says my value, my worth comes from what I earn – and then having this imposter syndrome that goes, by the way, you didn't actually earn what you earned. Yeah. It's just, it causes this inner tension and it's almost like an implosion. So my sister's a type three and I notice this a lot in her work where I have to remind her, no, 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 you earn this. Or I have friends who are type threes where I'm like, you don't actually want to break up with this person. You're just feeling a lot of internal pressure right now. So there's a lot of like, I just, I can't do this and, and I need to back away from everything. That imposter syndrome self-sabotage. So that... I think the antidote for that, honestly, is to correct that voice when you hear it. They're going to find me out as a fake, a fraud, or a phony. Well, let me ask myself, like, what did I, if someone could walk into this office right now, what could they actually accuse me of and be right? Nothing. Okay, great. How did I get here? I worked really hard and they offered me the job. Okay. Bringing reality back to your fear. Yeah. Oh. I just have to totally connect being the three. Yeah. Um, so for the first time in my entire life, I'm not working. Mm -hmm. Like I'm not, you know, going and taking a paycheck and Michael is supporting me. And so that whole message, just what you said, my heart's going right now. That imposter syndrome, yeah. But it allows me to do this work that I get to do all day. And so, and I'm, it's joy and I'm helping people and the rest of it. I have to remind myself yeah. of all that every day. So. I am your classic three. And thanks for the antidote. Okay, moving yeah. on, number four. Yeah. Thank you for your vulnerability. Yeah. Um, 
So for the type four, it's comparison. And I know people struggle with this a lot. You know, the type four's core fear is en- or, or core feeling is envy. So it's like, not I'm jealous of you, but like, how what's wrong with me that I don't have what you have, you know? So that comparison is not necessarily always comparing myself to the person next to me. Sometimes it's comparing my past to my present and my present to my future. They tend to idealize. So they think of the past and the good old days and they'll be like, I I shouldn't be where I am right now. I should be further. Or they'll look at their present and their future, their idealized future and go, I don't like where I am. What ends up happening is they self-sabotage the present hardcore because they're trying to either figure out what was wrong in the past or get to the future and they don't live in the present. So for a type four who's idealizing, it's hard to say yes to that second date. It's hard to say yes to that job offer or even submit an application. It's hard to do things because you just don't know if it's going to line up with the future. So the antidote for that, honestly, is it's so simple and it's so hard at the same time is to live in the present celebrate present feelings, present moments. If you find yourself drifting to the past or to the future, think about today. Think about yesterday and tomorrow as far as past and future, but that's it. Yeah. Oh, but I love stay that. grounded in the present. I love that. And let me add to that. The only place you can manifest anything is from the present moment. So yeah. they, if they can do that, so much more will happen for them, right? So I love that. I love that you're giving the antidotes. This is great. That's yeah. Thank you for bringing that up. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, it's perfect. Number five. Yeah. So for the type five, it's actually a lack of self-confidence, which is really hard for me to wrap my head around because they are usually very smart. Type fives are really intelligent, very knowledge-based. But here's the thing, when there's a lot of pressure, when there's a lot of pressure to make a decision that doesn't, you don't, you can't really back with knowledge, like asking somebody out or asking someone to marry you or picking out or picking out a new car. Like there's not really a lot of knowledge. It's mainly based on what you want. It's very hard for them to pull the trigger when we have to, when they have to make decisions that are based on just self-confidence alone without the knowledge to back it up, they lack a confidence in themselves that ends up making them put off decisions, lose that, lose that, um, that time space, that time frame where they can make the decision and miss out on a lot of opportunities. So these are the ones that are on Google all day trying to research every decision mm-hmm. they're making, right? So that it's the right informed decision. Yes. If you meet a five and there's yeah. not a few things in their Amazon cart or wish list, they're not really a five. Okay. <laughs> they're like, let me take a five. But um, I will tell you the antidote for that is, is for a five to – be able to actually think how much of this is me and how much of this is knowledge. So being able to separate knowledge from the confidence that you have to have in yourself, you'll actually get there faster. It'll take a little bit because you're dealing with both still, but you'll get, you'll actually get there. So you're really intuitive. You know that, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) So what what came first, the chicken or the egg? I mean, I'm listening to you. I'm thinking, I I love that you have the language of using the Enneagrams to help people Mm -hmm. through these processes, but it takes a reader to know a reader. I'm telling you, I'm listening to you and you are really intuitive. I appreciate that. You know what I mean? Honestly, like I am intuitive and I, and I am an empath, but really I've gotten to a place from my unhealthy too, where I felt like I needed to be needed. When I stripped that away and I, I realized all that was left was actual love for people. Like if I put myself second, it wasn't because I didn't value myself. It's because I just love people yeah. and being able to read the people that you love yeah. and even the people that you love, but don't really know it comes out of that. Like pure, I benefit nothing by 
telling you this by helping you. I get no reward. And I love people. So it just comes out. Yeah. I love that. And today I had this awareness and I've, I've been doing this work for years, but I had this awareness around the word intuitive. You know, people go, I have my calendar and it's very intuitive and Mac computers are really intuitive. And I'm, right. you know, I, I, it was easy because it's very intuitive, intuitive so, technology. Yeah. And you're, and really all they're saying and all that is that they're following the path of least resistance mm -hmm. and it, it's easy and it's, it, it happens automatically. And, you know, and that's really when we're being tapped in, tuned in, turned on, we're following flow. We're not resisting and fighting. So I love that it's part of this conversation too. So it's perfect. Let's keep going. <laughs> we're on six. We did get the, did you get the antidote for five? I think you did. Yes. Oh, being, yes. Oh, being present. Okay. So six. All right. Six. So the self-sabotage for type six is suspicion. So like I said, you know, type sixes, um, they tend to live in code yellow all the time and that's fine. And that, that worry is okay. That concern is okay. When the concern starts to go into suspicion, what ends up happening is that they're suspicious of everything around them. They don't think anything is solid. Nothing could be going wrong, but they'll just wait for the other shoe to drop. And what they end up doing is putting people, authority figures, even organizations that they're involved with to the test, like silently testing them to see that they're really true and see what they're made of. But um, no, for the type for the type six, they're actually really stuck, tend to be a little bit stuck in their ways in, okay. in a sense that they think that it's going to be the most safe option. Got it. That makes so, sense to me. Yeah. Okay. So the antidote for a six is? So the antidote for a six, honestly, is to ask yourself in a moment that you start getting suspicious for no reason, what am I really trying to figure out and do I need to figure it out? For seven, the adventurous. Yes. So the number seven, um, the type seven, it's hard. It's really hard to say this. So I, I just, I need to explain it, but is settling and blinders, which is very weird for a type seven because they'll jump from one thing to the next. They don't really settle. They're just like, no, I want everything. I want all of that. I want, I want one of everything, but they're so focused on just going from one experience to the next, whatever drives them away from their pain, they'll settle for good, but they don't really put in the extra work to get to great. Got it. And that ends up sabotaging. So for a type seven, what, what they really need to do is say, okay, you know, that no pain, no gain. It's not just for the gym, right? Even if you open a little bit of pain for yourself or deal with one issue, you're not going to be trapped in it. But that dealing with that little thing, that core issue, that core trauma might bring you to the next level so that you don't have to settle for good. You can actually go to great right. in your life. I love that. <laughs> Number for, eight. Yes. For the Enneagram type eight is expectation. That self-sabotage is, is expectation. For them, there's um, – an, for type eights, there's an intensity in general. And they really feel that in a, in a moment of argument or even conversation that's intense, they want, they have this expectation of the other person to match them at all times because that's love for them that match and intimacy. If I'm yelling and you're yelling, we're not fighting. We're being intimate. Got it. So that expectation of people to change their mind immediately or to match that intensity that sabotages things because when the eight notices that's not happening, they start to think that they're being rejected. They're not being loved. They get bigger and louder and go to a more unhealthy side and unfortunately could say something they don't mean. Got it. So what's the antidote for them? Don't expect things from people. Okay. Expect them to be them. So here's the thing. 
I, I'm not, I'm not uh, nagging on all expectations. Like you should have expectations of the people around you and the people that you love and they should have some of you. But if you are being intense in your emotions and you're with someone who doesn't really like intense emotions, being able to separate that from this is how they're reacting to this is not a reflection of how they love me or whether or not they do, don't expect that type of reaction. Let me quote Brene Brown. Mm-hmm. Who, whose husband actually said it better. She, she, she gives her husband credit for teaching her this. Mm-hmm. She said, when she realized that the people in front of her were not there trying to really upset her and be, you know, and make and ruin her day, that they were absolutely just doing the best that they could do, it made her life easier. Yeah. And, it, you know, and I just really, if you think about that, these people who upset you in conflict and the rest of it, mm-hmm. just assuming that they're in that moment giving their very best when you can see someone from that light, the expectation gets dropped. And yeah. then it's, it's, it benefits you. It's not even the other person who's getting off on it. You know, it's so, I love that. And expectation, we've been talking about this quite a bit on my channel too. I have to do, I have to do this for our listeners. You know, we have the law of attraction says expect great things. Yeah. And so in manifesting, you know, expect the best and, you know, have an, have an intention and all that. In Buddhism, have no expectations because you're not in the moment. So people have asked me so often, you know, what do you do? I call it How do you moment. balance that? Yeah. yeah. How do you balance that? I, you're, you're defining it today in this number. I define it as the mark of expectation out of power. The truth is, to find the balance between all that, yeah. <laughs> to just be and accept, right? So that is your um, antidote for number eight. Eight, you got yeah. some extra information there. So make sure yeah. you're taking notes. I love that. This, number nine, we're going to go to right. the tier and then we're, we're done with this. And yeah. we're going to do a little <laughs> rapid fire on you and then we're almost done our show. So keep listening, people. And Love don't that. forget, if people are listening to this on the Intuitive Mindset podcast or the Table of Not Four Nine podcast or watching this on YouTube channel, let us know in a comment. Let us know what your number is. If this you mm-hmm. found this beneficial, what did you learn? We love feedback. So we can, we're only here to be better for you. Okay, number nine. All right, type nine. So like I said, we've got the peacemaker. And so for them, that self-sabotage is actually passiveness and procrastination. And while we might think those are traits like, oh, I get angry, I get passive, or I just tend to procrastinate, that actually ends up being self-sabotage for the nine. Because the reason they do those things is not to cause conflict. Okay. But when you procrastinate something, it causes conflict. When you're passive, it causes conflict. And so they end up sabotaging themselves. They burst their own dam in a sense. So I think the solution there, the antidote there is honestly to say, you know, um, for them to pick the lesser of two evils in a moment to say, Hey, I'm going to give myself a moment of rest, but I am not going to procrastinate to say, Hey, I'm going to bite my tongue on this one, but I'm never going to be passive. I'm going to say what's on my mind to the best of my ability, because if my bigger goal is to not cause conflict or to not be involved in conflict, these things are part of it. Good point. I can only speak from my Michael, who is a procrastinator, okay? But he causes his own dukkha, his own pain, because sometimes he'll put a couple things off and then he's down to the wire and he'll get called out on a search. 
Yeah. And his logs aren't done and he forgot to, you know. So then he only, he pinches himself, right? Because right. he's like, oh, if I'd been ahead of that, I wouldn't be in that situation. Yeah. So I think that's what you're saying. So I loved this conversation. <laughs> Very fun. I have a beautiful list of all the people in my beautiful group who I know their numbers. So I know who to tag on this video and this podcast. <laughs> I am going to make sure that the people I love dearly hear this because what we've talked about today is truly just there to assist people be the best of themselves. Yeah. And I just have loved talking to you. I love your energy. Mm -hmm. I want to follow you on all your platforms. I'm going to put all your links below for my new friend, Jackie. And I want you, you all to write her a review on iTunes, please, yes, if you've please. This and you've enjoyed it. <laughs> And um, let's not stop here. We'll, we can hopefully do some more work together. Yeah. I would love to run into our rapid fire. Let's do ready? it. And I have to tell you, Jackie has no idea what these questions are. So <laughs> no, I don't. I'm so excited. The music's keyed up. You could only answer these with one or two words. This is my chance to say thank you for your time today. Have a great vacation that you're heading on. Thank Be you. safe, wear a mask, all that good stuff. Yes. Okay, rapid fire. Here we go. What is your favorite movie? Ooh, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Oh my God, that was fast. Say that again. <laughs> it's called Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Okay, I'll have to find that. It's if very we were good. gonna change the world, Jackie, the world needs what in order to be changed? More beach days. Totally agree. <laughs> we all have pet peeves. What's one of yours? When someone tells me I don't understand. Oh. When they vent to me and they're like, you don't get it. I'm like, oh. Oh my gosh. And a personal quality about yourself that you love. I'm really good at cheering people up, but not letting them divert from what's really going on. So I'm good at being a, a middle person. Oh, I can see that in you. <laughs> and then the last thing before we say goodbye, what are you doing when you're experiencing pure joy? Oh my goodness. I am probably laughing by myself. I love, I, I love to laugh by myself. I'm not embarrassed of it. I laugh out loud when I have to laugh. I just let it out of my body. But that's, it really is like, you know, I, I read this thing where it says laughter is just the fact that your body cannot contain joy. And so when I'm feeling really happy or excited, like I don't stifle, I just laugh. I just laugh out loud. And hey, being good company for yourself, if you love yourself yes. and you're good company, that, that's half the stuff I try to teach. So yeah. I do have that. Hey, thank everybody for listening, whether you're following this on our podcast or listening and watching on HD Color. Thank you, everybody, for listening and being part. Don't forget to comment below. We truly do appreciate you. And we'll see you next video and next podcast. Have a great day. Can I stop smiling now? <laughs>If you enjoyed today's podcast, you can find more of my content on my YouTube channel. I'm under Jeannie Lynch. I have over 225 videos out there in full HD color for you to review. All my media links are in the description. Thanks again and have a great day.